This is an irregularly regular podcast recorded on the various lands of First Nations peoples that always was and always will be Aboriginal land. It is the air that is breathed and the water that nourishes and provides, but ownership of land remains unresolved. Respects are paid to elders past and present in the ongoing quest for self-determination and reclamation of land. Hello there, this is uh, M, uh, Michael, and um, yeah, I just fucked up my soundboard, <laughs> but we're going to muddle through. Speaking of muddling, was a bit of a, a story and a quest to, um, to get ourselves uh, to a recording area. We're at University of New South Wales, where we're kind of um, doing this in an alfresco setting <laughs> at uh, eight o'clock at night. We're just basically on a, on a floor um, outside a lecture room. There's a nice table here and good uh, electrical outlets uh, that allows us good facility. Let's see how we go. Yeah, and worst comes say. to worst, I have my university card. Um, <laughs> let's see you how much power to that be here. carries. Uh, originally, we were going to do this indoors, but, um, you know, COVID hustling, basically, in order for us to find this space tonight. I have a gentleman with me uh, who, whose name is Michael. I, I go by M and that's uh, Michael. So we have two different names, um, at least in the world of the interwebs. Uh, how's it going, Michael? G'day. Good. Yeah. I was going to say, I noticed your M star in the, in the show notes. Uh, if, if you don't mind, I'd like to be M prime. M prime? Yeah, like with a little, little uh, single quote. Okay. It's engineering. Oh, M, M to the power of two. Well, no, it's just a little dash. It's just a little, it's just, it's when engineers want to use an M and then they want to have another M, they just put M prime. Oh, okay. It's, yeah. All right. You're going to have to write that down for me. Okay, I will. I, and yeah, I just like the idea of being We're getting M very prime. technical already. <laughs> we'll, we'll end up doing a schematic by the end of this. Okay. Yeah, no, when you, when you said M prime, it's like, uh, yeah, oh, you know what I'm going to latch onto, obviously. <laughs> it's like, okay, what do you transform into? Uh, it's, um, it's, it's definitely a, like a $6,000 an ounce's table. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. Which I was going to say, if, if you'd told me that this was actually specifically designed for outdoor podcasts, this table, I would have believed you. Okay. So you didn't even need to, to admit that this was um, a fly-by-night sort of operation. <laughs> well, I've got to say, this, is, um, this has probably been the best setup I've found so far. Okay. I, I do like this table, and um, if it is something that you would, you would transform into in your robotic fantasy, I, I would, uh, I would uh, like for it to be something of that particular quality. So, yeah, yeah good call. Yeah. Good call then, Prime. It's, so, yeah, as you can uh, hear in our, our fresco setting, there might be a bit of noise. So um, just bear with us as we um, entertain campus life. Yeah. Crickets. Actually, I have, um, I have a cricket noise on this. Which one is it? No, not that one. No, not that one. Not that one. No. No. Actually, I think I got rid of the crickets one. <laughs> Oops. Okay, that was appropriate. I was going to say, I, w I thought that was done in post. I didn't realise it was actually going to be a soundboard type uh, intro situation. Yeah, no, no, no. It's like uh, I've got this mixer and um, it allows me to kind of just do stuff instantaneously. Uh, I just have to get the, um, the volume and sort it out. It's like I've got the, the sliders here. So it's a matter of just getting the right sliding combination and Bob's second removed. Uh, yep, yep, also appropriate. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, Michael, uh, uh, this is like episode five. I, I look to bring in some people who I wouldn't mind interviewing now and again into the future. Mm -hmm. 
uh, you're one such one such individual. So tell us a bit about yourself. What um, what what's your what's your go? What what brings you to this um, this very dodgy university nighttime setting? Well, uh, apart from you, it was a, a mutual aid Facebook group okay. uh, set up for COVID. I think that was where I actually saw. That's what, that's where I saw you sort of saying, "Hey, who wants to be in a podcast?" So, um, but uh, I mean, broadly, I'm I've been a leftist for less than two years now, actually. So very new to this whole thing, but doing a, like I've been trying to educate myself as much as possible, mostly through audio. Found last two years, um, for, mainly for capitalism reasons. Uh, there's been too much anxiety to actually read properly. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm building up to it, we'll see. But uh, I, I very much come into this like not knowing a whole lot. Um, and uh, I, I don't know, I, I guess I, what I would say, uh, I, was, I, I didn't know how to whether mention this before podcast or like on, on podcast, but having listened, I'm like, yeah, I think, I think the main thing I can bring is uh, just basically a lay translation <laughs> for a lot of stuff. I tend to be good at that. That's about all I can say. Sure. Um, well, let's um, unpack what you said so far. So, firstly, we met on a mutual aid thing. Oh, uh, that would be one of the Facebook groups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which one was it again? Would have been um, either Love in the Time of COVID nineteen, or it was a uh, Inner West one. Okay, yeah, because the the big the big group is the Inner West COVID one. Yes, um, that seems to be the the centre of the mutual aid universe in Sydney. Yeah, I organise a Southwest Sydney one. All right, which is kind of as it's turned out to be, a, a bit of a satellite from the, the Inner West one. Yeah. Um, but I'm hoping it still serves its purpose. Uh, it has in the sense that um, well, I would have find you. <laughs> I, think for, I think from memory I actually put the word out through Mutual Aid looking for, um, for people to, to be um, the, the co-hosts. Right, yeah. um, You put your hand up, Michael, so, um, yeah, and that was like 10 years ago. Uh, yeah. So 10 years later we've, we've in, made it. In time, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's um, how long this pandemic has gone, I, I feel. <laughs> yeah. I got to say, there is um, there is a distinct sense of like, uh, I mean, the imposter syndrome coming on, saying like I don't really know what I'm talking about, but like I'm 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 happy to just use my voice. I don't know, but also thinking about that, I had to realize like, okay, you know what? Actually, being willing to get recorded and broadcast to potentially tens of people, um, mm. from from what I've heard, I don't really I don't know how big the, the audience is, but um, mm. um, well, then prime. Let's see if we can find a prime number of listeners. <laughs> And then we go from there. Exactly. God, I was hoping that was a drum sting. Okay. <laughs> you just burned yourself. Um, but no, uh, yeah, um, actually being willing to do that is also something you can bring to the table. So, Ooh. Yeah. And, and the other thing I wanted to, um, to look at as well, it's like you were saying you found the, the leftisms a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. What brought you to them? Uh, Stephen Colbert. Oh, okay. <laughs> is 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 the the really dumb way to say it? But uh, basically, you know, Trump got elected. That was uh, that was a bit nightmarish. That was a beacon of a, of a, of part of the apocalypse. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And um, but also like Bernie Bernie Sanders' campaign, I think was like uh, like seeing that happen and um, seeing people talk about how he would have won and 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 then slowly sort of orbiting that conversation and realizing, hang on, people are talking about something here that that I've. I don't really know what's going on, uh, but it sounds like they're talking about some kind of antidote to all the other crappy stuff that's going on. Okay. Um, and at the same time, I was watching a lot of like late night stuff that I think a lot of late night shows blew up around that time because people were like desperate for answers. <laughs> um, and I think there was a there was almost like a generational shift with um, US late night talk shows yeah. maybe two or three years ago because mm. yeah, the Letterman's and the Lenos they all kind of retired all at the one time, and then um, and then in came others to fill the void. Yeah, yeah, Jimmy and Kimmel and. 
and yeah. Stephen Colbert. Yeah, yeah, and like I think Trump's election was kind of a bit of a kingmaker in that respect, in a, in a perverse way. Well, it which, is fodder, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, it's just basically been the best joke that just hasn't stopped. Exactly, yeah. To the point where it's not necessarily being funny anymore. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened to me. I was, I was watching that going, okay, maybe, maybe making fun of this guy is going to help. Mm. Um, and at some point I went, you know what, this guy is dancing around making jokes, uh, making fun of grammar and appearance and not giving any actual answers. Yeah. And uh, that was just like, it was kind of a bit maddening. And it, like it slowly, uh, every time I would watch that, it would just, like over the months, it was like, this is just making me more and more anxious. Yeah. Um, and uh, but at the same time, I was also listening to uh, even more, or some more news, uh, which is a guy called uh, Cody Johnston. Okay. Um, and a team of writers, but they... Um, they, there's a long story behind where they come from, but they basically do news uh, also from a satirical standpoint, but like they do a really deep critique of it. Um, and I remember watching them going, this is much harder watching, but also it feels like I'm actually learning something. And they were really like hitting it, like here's, here's what's wrong with the systems that actually brought us to this point. See, I'm not familiar with them as podcasters. Do they focus on US politics? They do as well. Um, actually, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll admit, I, I think a lot of Aussies might find this, but I do find American politics a lot more interesting than Australian politics. Um, but that's just, I think that's just like, because it's a lot easier to pay attention to because there's a lot more clickbaity stuff going on. But also... Well, I, I, I think with the US politic, it is very much more media driven. Um, mm. I think there is a bit more of an urgency over in America because voting isn't compulsory. <laughs> I think um, it, it does attract the types of politicians that will literally sell their mother if mm. it's going to get them an electoral win. Yeah. And also, like, first past the post, like, that, they have no preferential system. Yeah. Uh, and it, it just creates this really deep divide and, like, a really polarised landscape. But, uh, but, yeah, anyway, I mean, also part of the reason I think that it's, it's easy to see American politics as more interesting is partly because on some level there is a sense that we're like a satellite nation. We're like a client state of theirs. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so... And well, so, the ANZUS Treaty reflects that, yes. <laughs> yeah, um, there's a lot to talk about there, but I won't go into it. That's all right. Uh, but, um, but we've got, we got episodes to play with here, Michael. Cool, cool. In um, prime. <laughs> you can just call me uh, Michael in, 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 like, in conversation, but like just on the show notes, I like the idea. Cool. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'll... Yeah, uh, but... Um, yeah, I was listening to them and they, 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 I was like listening to these guys going, these guys really know what they're talking about, it seems. Yeah. And then uh, they have a show on YouTube, which is called Some More News, and they have a podcast called Even More News, where they actually kind of go a bit more candid. And at, at some point in that, he said, I'm an anti-capitalist. And I was like, you're, you're what? That's, that's an option? Because uh -huh. um, I think I was definitely stuck in what, uh, what you might call capitalist realism. Um, I well, I mean, it is a presentation where um, if it's done right, that... Or most uh, recipients, you're not really presented with any other alternatives or any counter arguments. Yeah. You're just kind of thinking, you're just kind of led to believe that this is the norm and that's it. Mm, yeah. And like the political system does a really good job of like making it look like there's two options. And, and also, like, I guess they call it the Overton window, keeping people really uh, trapped within a very narrow range of opinions. Mm. I think a lot of people check out from politics for that reason because they feel like it's all meaningless, just meaningless bullshit, just people yelling at each other over nothing and, and everyone's lying. I'm, I'm of the view there that if, you, you, if you're kind of limited to um, looking at things through um, a parliamentary or an electoral standpoint, mm. then that can be quite boring and quite removed. Yeah. And also often disempowering, particularly if you just think if it's uh, all about just um, providing your vote. And that's yeah. basically the limits of your participation. I don't know. I mean, for me, it's like um, being attracted to, um, to the anti-capitalism stuff is that it does provide some sense of ownership and enablement. Because, mm. yeah, I see this as an emancipatory thing. 
Tell me a bit more about getting into gig work because how do you make a crust these days? Well, I am lucky enough to be able to do relatively, uh, I don't like using lingo, but non-alienated labour. I'm doing a lot of renovations at my mum's place, which is actually a house that's been in the family for about, uh, well, I'm going to say four generations, but if you include my kids, it's five generations. Because I moved to Sydney around January and I was like, oh, great, you know, I can actually go to Sydney. I can meet a few people. I can, you know, get to know people in lefty spaces. I can make some friends. Uh, So what's going on, guys? Oh, it's a lockdown. Great. Um, (laughs) And so that's, you know, I've just sort of like, all right, okay, I'll go back to being a hermit then. That's fine. Yeah. So I also didn't have a job because I just moved cities and I... Well, the good news is I got you out and about tonight. That's great. Uh, yeah. Wasn't expected, so all right, really glass half full. Part of uh, whatever nightlife actually exists at the moment. <laughs> um, it's definitely night, and I assume that. So I'm working actually at my mum's place a lot, doing renovations, and she's paying me for that, so I can actually at least survive. Learning a lot, hopefully, maybe building some skills I can use to actually uh, do some kind of work later. But uh, so yeah, I've got some kind of handyman skills. I've also got programming skills um, and things like that. But uh, it's been quite difficult to actually find a job, and I have been considering things like. Yeah, doing some kind of either, you mentioned Airtasker or like even just starting a business of some kind. Yeah, um, well, I think it's, it's this type of job environment where you kind of have to itch and scrap and find what you can, Yeah, um, where it mightn't be the, the universal job hat that one wears, where one kind of gets a get status by what they do because it's just a variety of things that one can get into to get an income. Mm. What, what are the types of things that you... looking to get across there Michael um well yeah it's I I basically anything I can find is the is the the basic answer but um once I'm in a position where I'm like okay I actually do have to look for income elsewhere I'm looking at doing potentially some kind of handyman thing or IT or maybe software one one of the I've been very interested in co-ops um Mm. that's something that I think it's a it seems to me to be a really good method of lifting people out of poverty and uh of giving them back like the value of their actual labor rather than just having whatever massive percentage of the value they make actually just getting leached off to someone else. Mm. Um, If they actually own their own company or they own it with a bunch of other people, that makes like a huge difference. Well, you're eliminating the rent seeking, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. What I've looked, what I've discovered there is platform.coop, which is actually a website, platform.coop. You can just type that in. Mm. They basically have a mission of trying to develop like a peer-to-peer open source type platforms for cooperatives to run things like Airtasker and Uber, except instead of working for a big company, you are as, as workers, you're all taking home a, like a, your fair share. And I'm not sure how they handle things like, like voting and things like that. Like, cause in a cooperative, if everyone has an ownership share and an ownership stake, then they have to have a vote as well in order to actually have a, a voice in how the company is run. Yeah. Uh, but if you can drop in and drop out of a, co- of a, of a gig thing like that, I don't know how they handle that. I, I, I'm not an expert in it, but I'm looking into that and, and looking into various ways of, of getting into a, some kind of system like that. Because I think at some point I realised that if I could actually at least have ownership of, have ownership of my labour, I'd probably be happy to sweep floors. <laughs> what are some of the applications that can be done with it? Firstly, what's it called? Uh, platform.coop. So okay. they're, yeah, they're not a they're not actually running a um, a particular service themselves. They're establishing other services. Yeah. So, so they're providing have, the act for one of a better term uh, gig economy platform. Yeah. The technology and support uh, and and sort of advice in getting these things off the ground. I don't know in particular any ones that are actually off the ground right now. I've, it's it's a slow process of trying to find these places. Uh, I've been looking into co-ops. 
they're very, very hard to find. I yeah. discovered. Oh, uh, um, they don't necessarily have the advertising budgets. So. Yeah, yeah. And um, plus, they can be like flash in the pan, can't they? Yeah, yeah. Essentially, the idea is that um, if you have like an, an Uber type platform, mm. what Uber is actually bringing to the table is software and a little bit of management, and that's basically it. Um, and just a good mechanism to skim the fat. Yeah, basically. And and but what's really interesting about those platforms is that they 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 monitor. Everything that they can monitor, they can't. That they do. That's right. Yeah, good point. Yeah. So, uh, for instance, like if you're working in an Amazon factory, this is a different situation. But if you're working in an Amazon factory, they time your t- your pee breaks. They time everything down yeah. to the minute or down to the second, even. Uh, and pl- things like Uber can do that as well. They can watch everything that they can watch. They can control. Mm. Um, and if they make a change to a policy, like sometimes stores will make a change to a policy that screws over the workers, and the workers go, "Well, this is unworkable, so we're just not going to do it." Yeah, uh, but if you're doing it on an app, that becomes like a physical law. Like you can't disobey it. It's just how it works now. Yeah, um, it, it, it it presents a more pervasive environment in terms of how you can put stuff in, but also unionization within gig work within places like Uber is still a very fledgling thing. I know that the I think about a year or so ago there was a, a test case within Fair Work. I can't remember exactly what the the outcome of it was, but um, it did introduce the fact that um, there is a very clear lack of legislation because this is very precarious work. It's not covered by an award. It's very much contract work in in a very, at the same time, modern and at the same time, classical sense. Yeah, I do take what I did definitely do take on board what you say there about this idea of there just being this um, because of a lack of power, there is there a lot of uh, uh, control that is taken through that idea of surveillance and omnipotence in terms of how one is able to be employed within a situation. Yeah, but 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 my point is though also that they can really kind of like tightly squeeze you like the workers much much tighter using that system because they have so much information and they have so much control over the way the app works but that same problem can kind of be turned into an asset if you're running the app in a distributed way because uh you know suddenly then you can all like the whole point of cooperatives is to make the shareholders and the stakeholders the same group of people yeah yeah but but also the fact that the the a company like uber is only bringing an app to the to the floor and, and a little bit of management you could if as long as you had the software you could cut them out very easily because they're not actually doing a whole lot like it's it's this kind of rent-seeking behavior just taken to another level because all they, they have no they have almost no physical infrastructure they just have software mm-hmm. um and i guess that has to run on a server but as long as you have the software and you have access to a server you can do that yourself well that's um, that's the interesting thing isn't it like i mentioned there was a test case a year or so ago in fair work from here what would it happen if you found yourself uh, with a bunch of Uber drivers suddenly organising, a bunch of people that are across the software organising, and then both circles of um, both pools of labour suddenly connecting with each other or somehow able to communicate with each other? Mm. I imagine they probably use WhatsApp <laughs> uh, to, to be able to talk with each other, but I guess that raises the prospects of what organised labour could potentially look like within that, that particular labour setting, um, which as mentioned, uh, is a very precarious one at this point in time and very under under institutionalised in terms of the, um, the the industrial instruments that could be created to, to cover rights and entitlements and, and mode of work and all that sort of thing. So this is a case of, of stuff getting off the ground 
and once there's like concrete examples, um, I think once and it sounds to me once a word of mouth eventuates regarding some of those projects, then it might become a bit more of a universal concept potentially. Would that be yeah. fair to say? Yeah, I mean there is one of the problems with 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 unseating a, a group like like one of these really sort of. I guess they're, they're uh, household names you'd call them these days, like Uber and, and um, I can't even think of the other names. All I can th- the only word I, name I can think Ola. of is Ola. Ola or like, yeah. yeah, um, yeah let's go catch. Lots of, yeah, very short but unique and easily Googleable, Googleable names. Yeah, so the, one, the only thing is that they do have name recognition and that's what you kind of have to unseat. So I, I don't know how that's done. Uh, I have had a thought of like whenever I get uh, like an Uber Eats type thing around to my house, I mean, the problem is that I can't just hand them something because contactless is is best these days. Mm. But like, just say, hey, by the way, have you heard of this uh, cycle career co-op that you could be doing instead of Uber? Well, that that might be a fair strategy. Either that or you start stalking Macca's car parks (laughs) and seeing everyone in the bicycles. That'd be a good place to leave pamphlets, yeah. Uh, But I don't know. I mean, that's that's a very small impact you can have as one person, but I don't know. These things start incrementally. I think it's good that we're actually talking about that stuff. We'll put a link to that app within uh, the episode. That might be a start. I think there's been a few ideas that um, that you, you've raised there, Michael, and a few opportunities, I think. This is how we organise by getting a sense of what's happening happening materially. So I'd be, I'd be very interested to have more conversations with you about that sort of stuff in the episodes ahead. All right, well, anything else that you, you want to say before we sign off here, Michael? Because I can't believe we've actually been able to pull this off, just being able to kind of just do a podcast on the balcony. Yeah, we're just sort of setting up and this uh, security guard walked past and we were like, is he going to... Didn't even look at us. Nah. And he's gone. Good. Nah. (laughs) Too much hassle to kick out just two randos who look like they're doing something reasonably productive. (laughs) That's true. With a whole bunch of audio equipment and headphones and microphones. Nothing conspicuous about that at all. (laughs) So, yeah, Michael, any um, any final thoughts for tonight? Unfortunately, I think I think you've emptied me out. I think that's that's all. I, I'm, I'm an empty vessel at this point. <laughs> Great, you spent awesome. Yeah. <laughs> all um, right. Well, on that note, uh, I think we uh, we might sign off. Thanks for your time, M Prime. This is M Star. Been a night of the M's, and I'll catch you later. Bye.